Welcome to the Next Trip Podcast with Doug and Drew. This is an aviation and travel podcast covering current topics and trip reviews with multiple course deviations on our route. All thoughts and opinions are our own. Welcome to Boarding Pass 17, everyone. This is Drew, and I'm here with Doug. We're two av geeks and aviation professionals, creating a safe space for other av geeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. So everyone, we're going through some trying times for everyone, not just uh, those of us in aviation. Working with the airlines, I'm in the thick of it, so I'm, a lot of stuff going on at work, obviously. So right now we're very busy, but pretty soon we won't be very busy. And um, Doug and I will keep recording through this so because it keeps us occupied and it's a fun thing to do. Um, Doug, too, with uh, kids and a wife, and then all of you out there, whether or not you work for the airlines, None of us are immune, sorry for the poor word choice, but um, immune to the struggles we will all face. Yeah, man, it seems like a lot has happened in the last week since we recorded. It feels almost like our decade in review episode. But Yeah, in a few months, right? But it's, well, it's been nine days since, since we recorded and seven days since you and I saw each other last. And it just seems like yeah. everything, everything that's Every happened week. this week, it, it just... It, seems like a decade. Uh, I hate to use that cliche because I know everyone's been talking about that. But as Drew said, our plan is to continue recording throughout this crisis because it's a way to help keep us occupied um, because really we have nowhere else to go go right now. I mean, Drew's Drew's going to work. I'm going into work a little bit. Um, But at the house, we have the ability to work from home and keep pressing with the podcast. So um, we're going to bring you guys a 45-minute segment of AvGeek time for you guys um in the coming weeks and we'll all get through this but um I, we understand this impacts everyone and it's not just aviation and right. so um to all of you guys out there hopefully you're safe hopefully you're healthy hopefully you're, you're weathering the storm and, and not going too crazy just keep a positive attitude and we'll help you guys get through it you're going to help us get through it as well exactly yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you guys, I, I have been through this before. After September 11th, we had a crisis like this where everything went crazy. So everything passes. So just be patient. And, you know, I know there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of pent up energy because we don't know what's going to happen. What I would suggest is take some time to get outside, get some fresh air and use that energy to re, um, what's the word, re-engineer uh, your life, right? So I'm really good at this. It's like I look at, you know, things that I can cut, things that I don't need. And, you know, looking at it, it turned out there's a lot of stuff that I didn't need that, you know, when we look at it, most of us are going to be <clears throat> be okay. And hopefully this will only last for about two or three months. So um, we're ready to go on or do you want to talk a little bit more? Yeah, what, one more thing I want to add. It's pretty amazing just seeing in our neighborhood, uh, walking mm-hmm. the dogs in the evenings with the kids, just how many people are actually out and about. Yes, we're social distancing, but I can't tell you, I, I've never seen it like this with just so many people just spending time with families, getting yeah, out there, funny. enjoying the outside. Um, it's, it's kind of a, a reset on life, I, I think. Um, well, what, so we talked about, so I can't go to the gym anymore because the gyms in Maryland are closed in the mm-hmm. D.C. area too. But I found this awesome track really close to my house. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a rubber track. So every day I'm getting fresh air and a workout and I would never have found that if not yeah, for this. Exactly. What about you? You're getting some productivity. Yeah. Like running, running with, the, running with the dog every day. Um, she needs it probably twice a day and uh, mm-hmm. usually she gets it twice a week. So being able to do that and just bring the kids out and just enjoy it. Um, I mean, 
we're in California, so we've got nice weather. Uh, other parts yeah, of the country yeah. I know are still getting blizzards and, and whatnot. But uh, <laughs> my parent, my parents went snowshoeing in Colorado yesterday. Oh, wow. um, I didn't even know that they own snowshoes. So, oh. that was, so that was something that they dust those off that they figured out. <laughs> but um, Drew and I actually got some really good advice from my wife this week about how we could engage with everyone uh, throughout this tough time and, and kind of give back in a way. And one of them was the, the advice that she gave was to reach out to um, through us to anyone in the aviation industry with advice, comments, just kind of positive thoughts for everyone who's going through this right now. Um, especially the people at the airlines who are kind of in the front lines of this. And we're calling it hashtag aviation tough, which means, hey, yes, it's a tough industry, but we're also tough and we're going to get through it. So yep. guys, use that hashtag and we'll, we'll look for it. We'll use your comments um, on the show. We'll retweet. Um, we, we just want, we want to send positive thoughts, words of encouragement to everyone in, in the industry. And as we said at the top, we're going to help each other get through this. Yep. Absolutely. Thanks, Doug. And really nice idea from your wife. Um, so if you uh, tweet or you have anything on Instagram, just, just put that hashtag aviation tough. We will catch that and we will try and share your comments on the air. All right, let's get started. You know, I'm going to continue with the positive, you know, there's faint signs of hope on our horizon. We hear a lot on the news 24 seven about the issues here and we're in the depths of this crisis. It's still, you know, it's going to get worse before it gets better in the U S but in China, where this outbreak started, they are starting to get back to normal. So for several days in a row, China has not reported any newly local transmitted cases, and life is starting to get back to normal. Now, this is China. So, you know, Doug and I, we verify this information that we give you. So if we hear from one source, I will try and verify that with another source so that we know that we're giving you credible information. So this is from China, and the information is not always completely accurate. But now I have several reports that are showing that they are getting back to normal. And something that will prove it is they've closed these temporary hospitals because they don't have as many people coming in. So they're getting back to business. Um, Japan, information from there is um, usually pretty accurate. Businesses and schools are moving out of a voluntary shutdown, uh, which was called by the prime minister last month. So that's in a month. They're getting back. Uh, into re seemingly regular life, right? And now the tables are turned. A lot of these countries in Asia are warning to, about travel to here, mm -hmm. <laughs> to the U.S., if you can believe. Um, let's see, as far as um, air traffic, the domestic air traffic in China has doubled from what it was in February. That's huge. We don't hear about that. So, you guys, there are some positive signs on the horizon. I won't go through all these details. I had a list of flights that are that are um, reinstating from China to SFO. But uh, last night, I um, tweeted a picture of uh, Air China 747-8 on Twitter. So, go look at it next to the podcast. Um, it was beautiful. It was just nice to see. Not No 10 o'clock bank airplanes at all out of Dulles, but Air China was there. They're still stopping in Kennedy, but it's good to see that they're still flying. On the home front, not so good. So United canceled 95% or basically all of their overseas flying a few days ago, but then came back and reinstated, uh, looks like 10 to 15 flights because there is a demand for Americans wanting to come home. So we'll take it. Well, and even, even today, Emirates announced this morning that they were canceling 100% of their schedule and they backtracked just an hour or two ago and said, Hey, Boston is going to remain open a couple okay. other international de destinations. So 
Yeah, um, minute by minute. It's just yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, one one good news on the home front that it, I've kind of been looking at since I'm a California resident. We were the first state to go into a full statewide lockdown earlier this week, and the number of new cases yesterday in the state of California. Now, granted, I, a lot of people don't put a lot of stock into these because of testing and and who's been tested and whatnot, but. Of yeah. the of the reported cases, there were only seventy new cases in California yesterday. Oh, that's great! And if you look at some of the other state breakdowns, states that haven't gone into mandatory shelter in place, shelter at home, whatever you want to call it, yeah. their their numbers are growing a lot more substantially. Now, neither of us are doctors, neither of right. us are pathologists, so take take what we say with a grain of salt, if you will. Yeah. We're, we're just, we're not trying to analyze from a pathologist level. We're just trying to report what we see, trying to find right. the good in it. But it, it looks like that might be helping at least a little bit. It's got to be helping because literally, I mean, for you, you have contact with no one, right? Other than your family. Mm, no. The only people, I'm still going into work. The only, I go from my house where I have contact with one person and maybe I'll see my neighbor on the street from a mm. distance. I go into work with the same group of people and you guys, we have actually, we've done a good job. We've separated the office into two P two parts. So we have half of my people in a separate location so that if something happens to one of us, we can still run the operation with that other group. So it is going to make a difference. I'm, we're still waiting to see continuous reports that the infections are going down and we will see that. We're not seeing it yet, but that's going to happen. Yeah. All right. You want to give us a flight update? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Drew gave me the negative again this week because <laughs> um, when I was, when I was the uh, director of the show a couple weeks ago, it seemed like I kept giving him all the negatives. So Drew's turning the table. So um, real quickly, um, Jason Rubinowitz, who's from the AvTalk uh, podcast, um, Seth Miller, who's from Dots, Lines and Destinations, um, John Ostrauer, who's at the Air Current, and a couple other people, I'm not sure who, they put together this, this pretty fascinating list of airline cancellations. And, and they're tracking kind of real-time percentage route cuts for both domestic and international for all the airlines around the world, when it started, when it's supposed to stop, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So we'll put the link to that in our show notes. Shout out to those guys. It's a lot of yeah. work, but it's a really good aggregated. And they put the, they put the reference in there as well. Like Drew said, we're all about references. We don't just report yes. things without without double checking. So really, really cool spreadsheet out there. Um, a cool sounds bad. Interesting spreadsheet <laughs> that you guys can take a look at. We'll we'll put it in the notes. But um, I'm just going to shotgun through these real quick. I went through and found some of the biggest surprises and um, some of the the major airlines in the world. So Austrian 100% shut down. Compass, which is a regional in the U.S., ceased operations. Copa. 100%. Egypt Air, Lot, Philippines, Royal Jordanian, all 100%. Airliness Argentina, 99. Ryanair, 99. SAS, 99. Lufthansa Group as a whole is 98. Cathay Pacific, 96. Avianca, 95. Air France, 90. EasyJet, Finnair, South African, and TAP Portugal, all 90%. LL, Korean, Turkish, 85%. IAG, which is British Airways, Iberia, etc., 80%. KLM, Qantas, Virgin Atlantic, Qatar, all 80%. Delta, mm. Gol, Latam, 70%. Emirates, which actually, this is outdated now. They're uh, about 90-some percent. Um, United, 65%. Air New Zealand, Alitalia, 60%. And then it gets down to some of the, the smaller ones, which is kind of strange, and Drew and I can talk about this. Uh, yeah. ANA is 57%. That makes some sense because they're starting to ramp things back up. 
Air Canada, American Singapore, only 50%. Hawaiian, JetBlue, 40%. JAL, 30%. Southwest, 25%. Spirit, 20%. And Alaska, 10%. Yeah, that's amazing. Their load factors can't be much different. No, no. These are for the next basically 30 days. Um, I didn't get into the May numbers. They're projecting a little bit more, like Alaska and Southwest projecting a little bit more. But those those bottom ones really kind of surprised me. Well, and how wise is that to operate basically 80% of your schedule when the load factors are close to their... Who's traveling? I mean, the load factors are getting close to zero. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, now, uh, something we forgot to mention at the top, uh, I know the last time we talked, we were talking about my, my work trip, um, that I was on, I made it all the way out to the East coast and then it got canceled. So I had to turn around and, uh, and come home. We're not going to talk about it. I know you guys probably want to hear about my seven, eight experience. We'll talk about that later on when, when the yeah. time is right. Cause it, it was, it was great and we'll talk about it. But one of my flights home, um, was probably about 20% load factor. And this was Sunday before all the big shutdowns before all the big shelters in place. So yeah, I mean, I can't imagine that Alaska has more than. Was that your uh, San Francisco, Sacramento? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah so it's, it's just really interesting yeah. from that aspect, but um, um, yeah, go ahead. The, yeah. So something else that's sad. I mean, we'll get to positive stuff again in a second, but a 380 and 747. So COVID could be the death nail in the coffin for at least the A380, it looks like. So A380, um, Lufthansa is parking all 14. Qantas is down from 12 to 2. Uh, eight of them are grounded and two were in maintenance anyway. Uh, Air France grounded all 10. Korean and ASEAN, I don't know if you have anything new, Doug, but they've grounded most of them, but I don't have any numbers. Yeah, I haven't seen anything recently um, on that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so the 748 uh, still flying, except for one um, really sad note, which you have for us. Yeah, um, so the 74 drew in my favorite planes, um, Queen of the Skies. What a mm. what a beautiful airplane, especially in the KLM livery. Um, in my opinion, I don't think any 74 looks better than KLM. They're originally supposed to be retired at the end of or the beginning of January in 2021. And um, they are scheduled to now retire on the 26th of March completely. Mm-hmm. Um, although, I don't know if you saw, there was an open letter today from a previous KLM cargo employee uh, mm-hmm. who's in charge of cargo operations pleading to KLM to keep the combis flying because of the, uh, sheer, okay. the sheer number of pallets that they can get on those airplanes. So some good news, guys. Delta, American, United are kind of taking uh, China's lead on cargo flights. So yep. they're using passenger airplanes to put a bunch of cargo in the hold. China even went so far as taking some of the seats out and they put they couldn't really put pallets in the main cabin because there's no door that opens, but they put boxes of things and, and tied them down. So there is some good, some good signs there that all these medical supplies are being able to go all over the world. Uh, everything from masks to respirators to hand sanitizer to whatever is needed, they're using these passenger airplanes for cargo purposes. So this person from KLM Cargo was pleading to KLM saying, you can retire the fully passenger versions, but keep the combi flying, at least in the interim, because uh, in September, September 11th in the financial crisis and in other world events, the combi w- was instrumental in, in being able to bring 
necessary supplies to where it needs to go. Uh, right. And that's that's capabilities that they would lose if if it does in fact retire this week. Yeah, are you talking about this article that uh, Reggie retweeted? The Lodestar. This open I, th- I think yeah, I think it was the one that that Reggie retweeted. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Reggie. That's good. Yeah, I mean, any help? I mean, that plane can definitely be useful right now. And you know, the majors we can all apply for jobs with uh, Amazon. And I'm, t- I'm talking about not us individually, but our triple seven could apply for a job hauling cargo for Amazon. Cause everyone's sitting at home now ordering all this stuff we probably don't need. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, you guys go to um, Doug's website, officerwayfinder.com. He has a really nice ode to the KLM 747 with beautiful pictures. So throughout the years, you've taken a bunch of good pictures in, yeah. and on board too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually working cause Delta is retiring the uh, MD 88s and MD nineties. Um, pretty, pretty soon. I mean, no date has been set, but they're, they're parking all those airplanes and saying they probably won't fly again. So I'm working on one for that as well that you guys can take a look, but what do you say that that's it for, uh, for COVID? That's it for COVID. All right. Yeah. Let's move you on. done? Okay. You, you want to move on? All right. <laughs> let's get, let's get yeah. into some ops topics. Cause I know everyone enjoys hearing those. Yeah. We got to get into some normalcy, right? So this, this would be something we would just talk about on a regular episode. So, um, Let's take a big, we're going to take a diversion from COVID to talk about diversions. So let's talk about diversions. Doug, you have uh, a good medical diversion story. Yeah, I was, I was flying from um, East Asia back to the States a couple of years ago, an overnight flight. Um, and we were a couple hours uh, basically in, in the air. And one of my crew members came up to me and, and told me that they had just gotten food poisoning and they had vomit all over their uniform and, um, they said that they couldn't, couldn't keep any food down. And, um, I've had food poisoning before and I, I knew how miserable they were probably feeling. So I said, all right, go, go to the bunk. We've got, uh, we've got a, quite a bit of time just flying oceanic. We don't need you right now. Just try and get better. Uh, it was about a 10, 10 and a half hour flight. Um, a couple hours later they came back up and they said, Hey, when we land in the States, I'm going to need an ambulance because I can't keep anything down. And when they said that to me, I said, you know what, there's no way we're, we're diverting. At this point, the only the only place we could go was Honolulu. Um, it was it was the closest, and we were still about two hours away. We we're about three hours south. Yeah, we we're about three hours south of Anchorage, about two hours north of Honolulu. Who was um, this crew member? What was this crew member doing? My flight engineer. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. So he, um, but we we made the turn. I didn't even tell ATC what I was doing because it's not like flying in the States where I can talk to them. Uh, I have to use high frequency radio or CPDLC, which is a text capability. Mm-hmm. So I just made the turn sped up and I started flying direct to Honolulu. And then I texted ATC. I declared an emergency and this was all via text, which is incredible. I'm, I'm just typing this in, in our flight management system. Yeah. Hey, here's our call sign declaring medical emergency. Um, we're going to need assistance when we land, et cetera. And they were, they were super, super helpful. They said, okay, how can we assist? They were asking all the questions like what, what is the medical reason, et cetera. So it took us about two hours to get to Honolulu. I mean, it was like a 90 degree turn to go straight South towards Honolulu. We landed uh, maybe like three o'clock in the morning local. So zero traffic uh, yeah. around. And um, they ha- that we actually, we landed on runway eight left. So anyone who's been to Honolulu, there's eight right, which is the reef runway, which is where everyone takes off from. And then mostly arrivals are on the, the left runway, the inside runway. We exited, turned around and ATC uh, cleared us to back taxi on the runway 
because they knew that we could do it faster to the waiting ambulance. Um, so it was, uh, it was, it was pretty incredible to see the coordination and how ATC and everyone was just willing to, to bend over backwards for us to, to get that crew member, um, safe on the ground and it's a busy time in in the sky right then no it wasn't no it was, i mean middle middle of the night we were in kind of a southerly track um so most of the commercial traffic was a little bit farther to the north of us um and so we we didn't really there, there was no one around us i mean and, and we were talking on we have frequencies that we can talk on between airplanes um no mm-hmm. one was around us i i made position reports and let them know what was going on but um, yeah, it was, it was, it was incredible to see kind of that, that coordination and, and how willing ATC was to, to handle us. So kudos to those guys. The ATC guys work hard. I mean, they work harder than pretty much anyone in, in the industry. Um, especially, yeah, especially in these circumstances. Yeah. Um, so you got them to Honolulu. Were they okay? Yeah, they were fine. The ambulance took them to the hospital, um, gave him some IV bags and 24 hours or so later he was he was back and, and up and was fine. But, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was really kind of eye opening for me too. Cause I'd never, I'd never had that, uh, medical emergency, let alone someone on the crew. Um, yeah. so I was able to use some other crew members, not in his position as kind of safety observers in the cockpit. Cause I was with a student, an unqualified student, the other pilot who I was getting qualified in the, in the airplane at that time. Um, and so it was, it was definitely an inexperienced crew at that point in the cockpit, um, for the landing. And as we were, as we were taxing in and everything, but yeah, he made, he made a full recovery and, and was mm-hmm. fine. Got some IV bags and anyone who's had food poisoning, you, you know, exactly how he felt. Um, oh, yeah, it was, he was, he was miserable to have food poisoning and be in the air. Yeah. You know? If there's yeah. any turbulence, it's the worst feeling yeah. in the air, five hours away from, from, from Asia Brent. and from Asia and North America, you know, it's the worst place literally in the world to get something like that. Yeah. All right. Continuing on with our diversion discussion. I didn't, you know, yesterday I'm going to talk about diversions and how we handled them at a major hub. But um, yesterday we had some diversions just out of the blue, you know, we're dealing with all the stuff with parking planes and whatnot coming to work, sit down. And I get a call that uh, New York city, that the New York's new, New York City Center is going to ATC zero, which means they won't accept any traffic in that terminal area. So, of course, you know, when New York sneezes, Dulles gets the cold. So we have to all of a sudden look for parking spaces. All right, what do we do? So immediately we hear that we're getting three of them, uh, two from Mexico. I'm sorry, one from Costa Rica, one from Mexico, one from Nashville. So looking for parking spaces for these. Thankfully, ZDC took over it took them about half an hour it's amazing how quickly they were able to do that because i was yeah. expecting a bigger event so Z- zdc is washington dc center yeah that's the terminal area yep. for washington dc so zdc zny is the new york area mm-hmm. ztl is atlanta um so they all have you know across the country these these zones if you will so i mean zdc took over right away i mean maybe it has to do with the less traffic they were able to transition so quickly so they took that new york traffic while they did that <laughs> they told me everything stopped at dc so we had our flight going to narita to tokyo narita flight 803 sit there for about an hour until uh 
the New York area was under control and uh, 803 took off. So nice teamwork. If you guys are listening, if you're air traffic control, please respond to us on Twitter and tell us if you were involved in this because um, I want to say great job. It was very little effect to us. One of the flights, Nashville, ZDC must have taken over because they got him to New York. The other two, San Jose, Costa Rica, and Mexico did land. We got them fuel, and they were back up in about half an hour. So it worked yeah. great. Well, it's, that's not the only place that had issues this week. Uh, Midway and uh, Las Vegas Tower shut down because of, oh, the, yes. because of COVID. Um, and they oh, went yeah, I didn't tell. an ATC zero. Right. Yeah, go ahead. No, we didn't discuss the reason. Yeah. So the reason given for the, the New York area ATC shutting down was due to quote, unquote, staffing. <laughs> we're getting a lot of that. And, you know, later we find out that someone in that uh, control center was um, exposed to or may have had the virus and then they had to take everyone out for yeah. a moment. Now, guys, some, something that you can kind of uh, be thankful for is they dry run these scenarios all the time. And it's not the first time this has happened. When uh, New York had those brownouts and blackouts a decade or, or two ago, uh, ZNY, New York Center, shut down then mm-hmm. as well. And other sectors were able to kind of pick up with the control tower, they have um, redundancy in place where TRACON, so the Terminal Radar Approach Control Center, which is arrival and departure, can take over. Now, they're not in the tower. They can't see what's going on. So that's why you get these six-plus-hour delays and hundreds of cancellations. But the airplanes that are in the air that are on the ground there at the time, it's not like it is the Wild West. and Right. It's, it's controlled chaos. It, exactly. Now, it is an untowered field, so an uncontrolled field. But... There are so many airports around the country that even commercial airplanes fly into that don't have air traffic control towers. And so the airplanes, basically, they get clearance from center to land. um, And then the airplanes are talking on a CTAF frequency, which is a common frequency for anyone else who is flying around in that area. So they are safe. 100%. 100%. They are completely safe. So guys, you don't have to worry about, okay, well, yeah. something like this happens. They've been trained like, for that. Exactly. It's not like what you see in the movies where, yes, all hell broke loose, but not in a, a safety, dan- not in a dangerous way. Just yeah. in, in a lot more gray hair and lost hair for <laughs> certain other sectors. Yeah. And just real quick, I mean, we can probably talk about, talk more about this on another episode, but as far as diversions, you know, in the summertime with thunderstorms all over the place, New York maybe shut down for a while and we'll get 13. One day we got 23. So how do you manage this chaos? So number one, we find a spot for them. We find out if it's international or domestic, which makes a huge difference because if it's an inter- international flight, you can't bring it to a gate and let the people off because they're not cleared by customs. Um, we have to offer egress three hours for domestic, four hours for international. But internally in two hours, if we don't have any movement, we'll bring them to a gate let the people off for a while if it's a longer thing and we have had i have had days where new york was not accepting planes for eight hours hmm. we just clear all the customers through um customs and the domestic flights we do plane and what we do is we recreate in a way we recreate the newark hub or part of it at dulles hmm. so people get off these planes and they connect connect other flights that we have yeah bags and all so if you were going to the DC area and you were connecting to Baltimore DCA, you just scored because <laughs> yeah. you're there. You're right? home. Yeah. Yeah. But if you were going to London, Frankfurt, you're going to get there at the same time because we'll put you on our flight to London or Frankfurt versus Newark. Mm-hmm. So we can, this is how we manage that chaos and actually make it a positive, I guess. 
But anyway, um, let's keep moving. Doug, so we plan to talk more about Aviation Tough. Any, anything else you want to say about that before I, we get to our DC-10 out on the limit? No, um, the, the only thing with that is, um, should we read some of these uh, uh, comments oh, yes, that came absolutely. in? So, well, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. so Nate, uh, one of the friends of the show um, who I met up with when I was in Dallas last month and we talked about it on the podcast, I, I woke up to this incredible message from Nate. So we're, we're going to play it here in a sec, but guys, this is what we're looking for. Like these words of encouragement, if you guys can send us this, like this is awesome. So hopefully there are a lot of people in the industry who are listening because Nate's message, like, I, I mean, it, it brought a tear to my eyes. So Nate, thanks a lot. Like that was awesome. So here we go. We're, we're going to play Nate's message. Hi, I'm Nate, founder of the In The Air YouTube channel. I just wanted to send a little note of encouragement for everyone working in the aviation industry during this crazy, unprecedented time. I can't even imagine what you're all going through right now. Remember, you are a hugely important part of our country. What you do every day makes so many amazing things possible for so many people. We are all counting on you. We believe in you. We need you. Take care of yourself. Rest up. You'll be in high demand and busy again soon enough. We'll be praying for you. Yeah, thank you, Nate. You know, short and sweet, but it really got to the point. So I know Nate, Nate is an av geek like us. He doesn't work in the airlines, but um, that was really nice to hear his thoughts. And Nate, for you and your family, I hope this isn't affecting you too much. We're thinking about you also. So thank you. Yeah, guys, don't forget, hashtag aviation tough, post, post uh, goodwill information like that. Send us these messages. That's awesome. But should we move on to uh, a, a good feedback that we got? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So this is this is from Jay and Foco, which I'm I'm guessing is Fort Collins, Colorado. Having lived in Colorado and okay. and knowing what the uh, the terminology, the slang, if you will. Um, so this was uh, a couple days ago. He said, "Spot on. Been flying globally for decades, but didn't realize what an ad geek I was until I started listening to the Layovers podcast. That's where I discovered Next Trip." Great compliment to layovers that gives more ops and industry insight without being tedious. Episode length and frequency is spot on. And then he went on to say the A350 is better than the A380, which uh, is better, <laughs> better than the 787. Yeah. Uh, it's an amazing aircraft. And then he said Biscoff is double better than Oreo. Uh, oh he used the, the greater yeah. than sign, um, which, okay, so I know I, I said I wasn't going to talk about my trip last week, but I have to mention the Oreo comment. The Oreo, okay. The, the guy sitting next to me. So my flight from um, Sacramento to LA, uh, the guy sitting across the aisle from me asked the flight attendant um, when United got rid of Biscoff and why. Oh, and, right. and they got into this like five minute discussion. And I was texting Drew, like live texting him, like, dude, you're never going to believe what this guy is talking about next to me. Because that morning, like literally two hours before I was on this flight, yeah, when we were recording, that was when we were having this Biscoff versus Oreo uh, <laughs> discussion. So it was like perfect timing, and I was just laughing the whole time. This guy was talking the flight attendant's ear off. It's not like she's the one who made the decision, but he right. kind of he kind of gave her very nicely, but gave her a piece of his mind as to why he felt like Biscoff should be back. Okay, so for those of you listening in foreign countries, you know the reason we talk about this so much because if you're on America on an American major carrier, you're probably getting Biscoff with your coffee, and the Avgeeks love it because they associate Biscoff with airplanes, so they love Biscoff. So do I. It's not bad. No, um, but now United has replaced it with Oreos, so um, people are up in arms. The Biscoff people, at least. So speaking of Biscoff, I, I didn't tell you this yet, Drew. Um, I opened up my. Um my bins of Avgeek 
stuff this week. I know I know I sent you some pictures of it. It's basically a you time found, capsule. You found 10-year-old cookies? Yeah, it's um I found oh, 15 no. I found 15-year-old cookies from uh-huh. ATA if you guys remember. Oh, no. Yeah, Biscoff. <laughs> I and I like until until Delta and Americans started using Biscoff probably like ten years ago. I had never yeah. heard of heard of Biscoff or hadn't remembered it. Little yeah. did I know I had it fifteen actually now right, seventeen years ago, seventeen years ago when I flew ATA to Cancun. Yeah, and you so. probably still have five years on the expiration date on those. <laughs> <laughs> I probably have a lot longer no, but, than that. Okay. So we got to get to the DC 10 ounce on level, yeah. Paul. I've been waiting for this, but but we can't until you tell you tell everyone the poppy story about Biscoff and remember you gave her a choice of. Oh, I d- yeah, I did. <laughs> that, that's right. So she, both my wife and my daughter, had never had um, Stroopwafel, and so I I brought it back for her, and she she ate it, and she was like, "Ooh, Daddy, this this is tasty," but I wanted the cookies from Delta. I wanted the cook like she doesn't know Biscoff, but yeah. she was upset that I brought her this very tasty Stroopwafel. Yeah, and instead wanted the the cookies. Um, the Biscoff. Yeah. Well, and I also oh. brought her a, a United playset because I've started to bring airport playsets you back. You have so, her so brainwashed into uh, Delta, so it's. The, I don't know uh, how that. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, I, I, I brought I brought yeah, her a United one. I know how this airport playset, okay. and she said, "But Daddy, I wanted Delta." Like she she knew that it was not Delta. My four year old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Anyway, she's really cute, and she's um. From talking to Doug, it sounds like she's an av geek in waiting, or if she's not already, <laughs> she is. Yeah, not in waiting. She is. All right. Speaking of av geek stuff, let's get to what I've been waiting for, which is the DC ten Elton eleven pole. Now, you guys, I grew up with these planes. Doug, not so much because he's a little bit younger. But Doug's father, Dale, if he's listening. He can uh, definitely, I mean, he should probably be in this conversation, but we have to have him on soon. So um, so this is something fun. We put something on Twitter. We put out a poll. What's your favorite, the DC-10 or the L-1011? Um, we got a lot of good responses. We got over 100 responses. And uh, uh, it's interesting what came back. A lot of good replies. Um, Doug, you want to give us a fact sheet so people listening can know yeah, just just in case you guys don't know about the airplanes, um, they're both three-engine wide bodies. They're launched in the '70s, designed in the '60s. Uh, airlines wanted smaller, medium-range planes that they could complement the 747 because the 747 was just too much capacity. They both seat anywhere from like 250 to 300 based on the layout. Um, DC-10, uh, roughly a 5,200-mile range, 550,000 pounds for the max takeoff weight, um, 507 max speed. And about 50, 55,000 pounds of thrust, um, depending on, on the engine. Um, the one that I fly is 55.5 uh, per engine. Uh, hmm. The L- L-1011, a uh, little bit longer on the range, 5,300 miles. A little bit lower on the weight, so 510 on the max takeoff gross weight. Um, 525 knots on the max speed. And 50,000 50, pounds of thrust on that. Um, and the results, Drew, you want to uh, so well, you, read this, and then we yeah. can read, and then and then we can read the real time results. So re- read okay. what you put well, on the script right now. Okay, all right. So can you look because it's changing as we speak, right? Because yep. you were I'll, stuffing the ballot with DC ten. I was not stuffing anything, but I will pull it up. Uh huh. Did you send a tweet to? Uh, I didn't. No, anyway. I have not done anything. All right. Okay, so, so you re- okay. read. You read what's on here. All right. So what? Uh, 
the numbers came in. So I had, I, I pulled this up maybe a day ago thinking that would be the last one, but the L1011 was, was winning by a lot. 57% of you guys preferred the L1011 to the DC 10, 57% L1011, 43% DC 10. All right. So what is it now? All right. So right now, well, so first of all, uh, at fly continental one retweeted it this morning and said, Hey, take, take the vote for our friends at the next trip podcast. And since then, yeah. My beloved DC-10 has made a giant comeback. Okay. It's with, it is within the margin of error. It's 51, Which is like 51% <laughs> for the L-1011 and 49% okay. for the DC-10. So I'm going to call that wow. a tie. That's a tie. That's a tie. Yep. Now, I, um, I, I have to correct you because you said yeah. I grew up not flying these airplanes. Now, I'm pulling this up right now. I had 21 flights on the DC-10 as a passenger. Wow. Growing up. You had zero flights on the Elton Road. I did. So I, unfortunately, I can't really uh, speak to that. But I mean, my, my first flight to Europe was on a Northwest DC-10. I flew a lot of DC-10s domestically. Yeah. So if we look at this objectively, now AvGeeks aren't the most objective people unless Doug has a spreadsheet out that day. So the score, if you want to look at it from the stats that Doug mentioned, for range, the Elton 11 wins. Maximum takeoff weight, the DC-10 wins. For speed, L1011 wins. For thrust, the DC-10 wins. So that's two points each. So that's a tie, even objectively. If True. But objectively, which one is still flying? There's no... Uh, I'm going to have to Google that. I don't know 100% if an L1011 is... There's only there. one L1011 still flying. It's okay. an airborne research platform, I believe, for Lockheed or okay. Pratt, Pratt & Whitney, for, for someone. Um, there are... Dozens of MD-10 still flying for FedEx. So the cargo version that they put the MD-11 cockpit in. Um, am I forgetting anything? No, there might be a Royal, Royal Air Force. United States Air Force, baby. KC-10. They're all okay. DC-10. All DC-10. <laughs> yeah. No, I have to. No, I got to give a plug to my co-host here. I think it is, you know, he, I tell him this all the time. It is so cool that he flies one of the remaining dc 10s you know one of the few it is so awesome and once in a while he'll send me pictures and i think it's so cool he doesn't think it's a big deal oh i totally think it's a big deal i no, i love that airplane yeah. that yeah yeah love it. Awesome. yeah what so, uh my vote those? my vote is the dc 10 if you guys can't tell yeah yeah no um all right so they came out with jt9d engines pratt and whitney or general electric cf6 what do you have yeah, on cf6 okay yeah all right so we, you know, we feel strongly about these two aircraft. I don't, you guys, you know, I started off with the L-1011, but I don't have a favorite because I have fond memories from both. So I loved the TriStar because when we went to Sri Lanka to visit friends and family, it was always a TriStar because that's what Air Lanka flew. And, um, but domestically, we were always flying DC-10s because my dad loved that section of five. Mm-hmm. And there were five in our family. So we were always flying an American or a United DC 10. And he, my dad wasn't an av geek to, so to speak, but he would look like if we were, we were flying from LA to San Francisco. He would look for He'd the look DC for the wide bodies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's so av geek though. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, we, not only us, we have uh, our followers or our listeners that were very passionate too. So you want, should we share some of these? Yeah, let's, let's, let's read through some of these. So I'll go first and I'm, I'm not Team Elton 11. I don't want anyone to think. I, I love both. I'm going to state that right now. Um, Reggie says, um, one of our followers says, I wish I had 
10, 11 picks to share, one of those planes I regret never getting a photo of. My votes for the L-1011 because it was so advanced, and I always wonder what would the airline manufacturing world look like if it had been successful? That's a good question. You know, if you had an, you know, stretched TriStar, that would have been really interesting, but nope, I didn't see that. Um, Another uh, person on Twitter, Stephen Dobson, said, Tommy TriStar was his choice. Every time got me to the Falklands, Okay, eventually, but got me home as well. And that's a a British military aircraft. Um, We have John Everell, also from Twitter. He says, L-1011 always. Third engine looks as if it was meant to be there, as opposed to the DC-10, where it looks like an afterthought. Sorry, but it's true. Which it was. The third engine was an afterthought. Oh, really? Let's let's read through these, and then I'll I'll give you a 30-second rundown. Hector Morales said, TriStar all the way. She's beautiful inside and out. I'm just keeping it real. All right, and you, you yeah, some- and then Greg Peterson said I voted DC ten because I wanted to be a KC ten pilot, but I really love the lines of the L ten eleven. So as you see, all these people are they're voting both basically, yeah, which really is what are. which is what the poll shows. Yeah. Uh, and then Greg went on to say my first flight on a wide body was a Delta L ten eleven from Atlanta to Orlando uh, for his honeymoon. Flew a Northwest DC ten from Detroit to Amsterdam. Ride wise, I have to go with the L ten eleven. So there you go. Oh, yeah. uh, Fly Continental said, forgive us, but, but we're somewhat biased. They didn't, That's fly, a DC-10. They didn't fly L-1011s. <laughs> and then Peter Johnson said, DC-10, power and looks, a proper, proper heavy lifter has outlasted L-1011, as I said. And then uh, Super Gray, gr- Gray-oy. <laughs> Gary, gr- yeah. Uh, said MD eleven. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah, I put that, that, was yeah, not I put one that in those. the MD eleven call. I mean, the DC ten yeah. call. So because that's a stretch of what used to be the DC ten. Um, and then there's some dude on uh, Twitter by the handle of Officer Wayfinder. He voted for the DC ten with a picture of a pilot business card. Um, that's so cool. They had business cards with their the airplane. All, all the airplanes, yeah. Northwest did. Yeah. Now we have to mention there are some people that uh, were cheating, so to speak. They chose the 727, which is a tri trijet, yes. But this was just a choice of those two, and that was our friend Justin Yarbrough and uh, someone on Twitter, Jet Dillo. Um, he said, uh, "Lots of flights when I was a kid on both. So that just like me, he's flown both. My first big jet flight was on an Eastern Whisper Liner. That was an L1011, you guys, uh, and a United DC10 config." Uh, Figured in everything from family trips to business trips early in my career. So it's really hard to pick. All right. 30 seconds. You want to know about the third engine? Yes. So originally the DC-10 was designed as a short field, large airplane. So something that could carry quite a few people into places like LaGuardia with short runways. Um, American Airlines, who was a launch customer, said that they wanted a third engine because at the time, uh, ETOPS was not a thing. And ETOPS is using two engine airplanes to fly Oceanic. American yeah. wanted the ability to be able to use their DC-10s to fly to Europe. And so they talked to McDonnell Douglas and talked them into adding the third engine, which okay. changed, changed the dynamics of it. They had to move the wing back because of the center of gravity and, and whatever. But that's, that's part of the reason why the DC-10 has an engine that looks like it was an afterthought because yeah. it, tru- it truly was. Whereas the 727, the L-1011, they have that S-curve exhaust yeah. that goes down because it was originally designed. Okay, so that. That, that makes a lot of sense because that's something that people commented on. So on the L-1011, it looks like it's really integral mm-hmm. to the airplane. It blends yeah. in nicely, right? Where on the it, DC-10, it, it just looks like that. Th- well, from what you're saying now, it makes they sense. Copied, they just copied and pasted it. 
But aren't you now? You fly a DC-10. That yeah. engine is huge. It it's, weighs thousands of pounds. Yeah, and it's propped up on this pylon mm-hmm. that seems ridiculously small. I mean, it, there's never been an incident with that no. thing. But well, there know, has the, the Sioux City incident um, where it had the projectile that severed the hydraulic lines. Well, no, no. no. What I'm saying is, ha- there's never been an incident with that pylon failing. No, that holds, no. That holds the engine and the rest of the rudder. No, you know the mm-hmm. rudder on there. So. No. Now, uh, fun fact, the number two engine, which is the tail engine, it's the same. It looks, it looks like it's a different engine. It looks longer. Yeah. The intake is a lot longer. It's 20, I think it's 21 feet from the start of the intake to where the actual fan blades are. Okay. It's, like it's the, the same engine. It's the same engine. They're all interchangeable. So all three of our engines could be moved into any of the three positions. Oh, wow. That's good to know, too. Oh, all hold right. On, so- hold on. L- last minute. So Dr. Ron... Literally uh-huh. just replied and said, flown on both last DC-10 flight was Dulles to LA on a United DC-10 in the middle seat of the block of five in the last, oh. row, of, in the last row of cheap seats. Uh, no thanks. <laughs> oh my God. So I'm wondering if he's a non-rev because that was a non-rev special. Smack in the middle. Two yeah. people on either side of you, but you were happy to get on. So, All right. So we, we could talk all day about these planes, but um, let's wrap it up, everyone. So Thanks for everyone to continue to continuing to tune in now more than ever. We need each other so we can continue this conversation, keep each other motivated. We will be there for you every week, right? Would you agree, Doug? I mean, we Absolutely. don't have any plans to stop. We're going to keep doing it. Yeah. Um, remember to any quotes you have on Twitter or Instagram, tag it with aviation tough so we can find it and share it. If you guys have any topics you want us to cover in addition to uh, keeping up with the COVID-19, reach out to us and let us know because we're always always looking for topics that we can talk about. But thanks, everyone, for joining us again this week. We know you have your choice of podcasts. We appreciate you choosing the next trip. This has been Boarding Pass 17. Until the next trip. This has been the Next Trip Podcast. Find us on Twitter at NextTripPodcast or OfficerWayfinder.com slash podcast.